Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Uh, and I'm back. It's Brett Taylor. I'm I'm hosting for today, at least, here with uh, Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. You may or may not, hopefully not, have noticed uh, my absence over the last month or so, just uh, dealing with the sort of the logistical issues of the, God, how do we even put it, the the the, the, the pandemic. It's, you know, it's had some fallouts uh, tied to sports and media and podcasts and various things, and so I, I suppose that's as obliquely as I'll put it, but... Uh, I am hopefully going to be back more regularly going forward, but um, you know, I missed I missed the time. Did you guys miss me? You can say it. You're allowed to say it. Nah. Nah. <laughs> nice to meet you, Bert. <laughs> Looking forward is, to chatting with you. <laughs> what's funny is so in my absence, the the recording process switched to a Zoom meeting, which previously had just been like an audio, and so we although our we are recording just audio for you folks. We're doing it via a Zoom meeting where we can see each other. And so now I have to like aggressively look <laughs> away from my screen because I like to, as I'm like going on these rambling things and saying what I want to say, I like to imagine in my head how you guys are reacting, not to actually see your faces. If the eyes rolling, yep, see Mooney's checking his phone. Like, okay, Brett's almost done. Uh, so this is wild. I got to kind of, I almost got to, you know, I don't know. I might have to put a little piece of paper over my screen, but <laughs> anyway, it is good to be back. I did miss doing this. Uh, I, I don't know if you, uh, find listeners have missed me because I know there've been some great episodes and interviews and stuff in the interim, but it is nice to be back. It's nice to be back too, within the context of, uh, I don't want to say it's fully baseball world, but I do feel like. It's so knock on wood, but today maybe more so than any day so far, because it's kind of like a trending thing. I feel okay talking about baseball and like just talking about baseball. Um, and we know, of course, that can change any moment. By the time this publishes, that could have changed dramatically because there could be another testing hiccup. There could be another spike in a new area of the country that we weren't anticipating, et cetera, et cetera. But where we are as of this morning on Thursday, as we record, I feel like baseball-y, you know, there's a schedule out. I feel like people are talking about baseball issues. You know, we had a Craig Kimbrell appearance that we could obsessively deconstruct, you know, 19 intra-squad pitches and how it does or does not tell us everything we need to know about what it's going to be for him this year. And like, I I have a, I usually have a pretty good pulse in these things. Is that how it feels for you guys too? Does it feel like, okay, we can kind of talk, like I'm in a mode where I can talk about baseball. I'll say for the first time, I believe yesterday was the first time that I wrote a story that was heavy baseball with very little to no mention of COVID. And it felt weird and it felt I but I also didn't realize I'd done it until like I was done. I was like, oh, wait, I just wrote a whole story about baseball. And like, I, you know, I have like I inserted a chart. For about you know Craig Kimbrell's velocity and I was like doing the things that I normally do looking up data and stuff like that and I was like whoa I forgot how to do this kind of I mean or not even like I guess it like was secondhand nature right but it was also like I forgot I did do this like you know it's been so much hand-wringing of I want to make sure I present this properly and and fairly and also there's a lot of stuff that's going on a lot of heavy things I don't want this to come across lightly right 
because they're they're this is a big deal the way it's being pulled off the way the complaints that they had early on the uh, the concerns, everything that was going on shouldn't be, you know, brushed away. And, and you know, when Joe West makes comments like he did, it, it's frustrating to hear because then that's someone downplaying the severity of it. And you certainly don't want that uh, because I, I think, I mean, you kind of wrote about this, Brett, and I think the players feel this way. It's like it, this is the type of thing that we have to stick together on because one person falls out of line and, and it could screw everything up for the entire team and league. So, so they look at it as, uh, you know, if we're going to play this game, we have to stick to the rules. That's it's almost like their competitive advantage in a sense. And you don't want to look at it that way because it's, it is life and death for a lot of people. Uh, but, but the reality is if you don't stick to, the ground the the protocols baseball doesn't exist and we don't get to talk about things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things like Craig Kimbrell and his issues with home run balls and stuff like that and and I will say that it was it was a nice release to just focus on <laughs> the Twitter angst of, of Cubs fans and, and you know one home run ball that that uh, Craig Kimbrell gave up is is going to lead to oh so many angry tweets from the Cubs fans it was normally that type of stuff is just annoying like oh do we have to deal with people freaking out over one home run <laughs> but now it's like oh Cubs fans are gonna get all riled up because Craig Kimbrell is already giving up home runs and we, we're not even you know we're, we're still two and a half weeks from the season or whatever we had Kimbrell we had Anthony Rizzo's uh, annual lower back <laughs> tightness uh Dylan Maples was walking guys and I will say there was like these weird moments in the press box of like Jesse Rogers turning around and calling Sahadev spin rate and like we're genuinely <laughs> laughing and people like when that you know it's like you know it's a pandemic scrimmage Kimbrel is like a borderline hall of famer he gives up a home run in practice like who cares but of course everyone to one starts, of the best hitters on the yeah, team yeah right? but everyone's like rolling their eyes and like and it like that felt uh normal and like we were actually you know people were laughing and i'm assuming smiling everyone was wearing masks i couldn't see but i know i was and uh i think you're right brett i think their baseball is creeping uh back in i guess we'd have to obviously temper that by saying uh, i believe tuesday's test results should be back by today and they would be tested again today and i think it david ross is right as cliche as it is like this is a one day at a time uh process and it's just bizarre to think that tomorrow will be what one full week of workouts and there's been so many kind of ups and downs that it feels like it's been a lot longer whereas normal spring training like everyone's in the building like raring to go by 8 a.m every single day and the days just kind of blend together and you look up and all of a sudden like it's March Madness and you know the games are on the clubhouse TVs and you start thinking about packing up and heading home this this feels like every day is just like so disjointed uh you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself um you know like talking about the schedule you know Major League Baseball's big reveal when all these <laughs> teams are canceling workouts and guys are opting out just like another like classically tone deaf MLB thing but I guess we're gonna have to uh, take it day by day, as Rossi keeps saying. Yeah, I mean, that really was sort of the perfect the perfect summation of this place and time about how 
summer camp, as contrasted with a typical spring training, is all about the anxiety of what might not happen in the future, as opposed to spring training, which is all about the anxiousness of what is going to happen. And um, to have the schedule drop on Monday of all days. I mean, Monday was the day where there's sort of all these reveals. I know you guys talked about it, but all these reveals about like, oh, well, actually the intake testing, it wasn't quite everybody. We didn't quite get to everybody. And and then also after the intake, because of the holiday that was on the calendar that, you know, we have a calendar, but we didn't anticipate uh, the 4th of July causing this problem. And, um, but also here's the schedule for how things are, you know, quote, going to go for the next two and a half months. And, I think a lot of us feel that in our everyday lives, like thinking about things occurring in September right now is just impossible. I mean, it's just, I fear what might be happening in September, but I certainly am not able to count on anything happening in September. So I think that it, it does take some, it's almost like you have to grant yourself permission to look at the schedule and be like, Hey, I know that this might not happen. But I'm kind of feeling like letting myself think about baseball for a minute and, and, and think about, okay, so if this did play out, what am I thinking about this schedule? And so we had sort of all these deconstructions this week about what would otherwise be a really, really fascinating ex- enterprise. You know, if, there, if it wasn't tinged with the hesitation of like, is this going to happen? Is this safe? Is, et cetera, et cetera. We'd be looking at this 60 game thing, this completely unique crazy thing and we'd be like how the hell is this gonna go with 60 games i mean you're looking at like the projections and you win 32 you might win the nl central 32 and 28 boom you've won it and so you know i'm curious if we can set aside the all of the other stuff you know which i know you can't but we've done enough i guess we've done enough throat clearing to tee it up and we can (laughs) set that aside you know as you saw the schedule um, we knew it was going to be composed of 40 games against your own division, 20 games against the same division in the other league. But like, as you looked at the breakdown, uh, any instant thoughts that hit you guys as you were seeing what was what was supposed to play out this year? Uh, I mean, for me, I was, you know, the Cubs getting those extra home games against the Brewers and the Cardinals. I, I just wonder if that matters, I guess. At first, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I started thinking, I'm like, wait a second, does, I mean, I guess it reduces anxiety of travel for the Cubs. They get to feel like it's not the home field advantage of the crowd anymore, right? Well, let me say, so as just a general matter, because I didn't know this until I started researching it for exactly that. So the schedule, Cubs are getting the Cardinals and Brewers at home for seven of 10 games. It's just the way the schedule worked out, whereas they'll be on the road for seven of 10 against the Reds and the Pirates. And one thing I didn't know about baseball until I was reading up on this is if you could neutralize all other elements and just calculate the home field advantage, um, because we sort of know that there is one because it tends to be the case that teams seem to do a little bit better at home. Do you guys know what the ratio is? Like out of a hundred games, if you were playing all of them at home, context neutral, otherwise, do you know how many of those you would be expected to win? Take a guess. If you don't Uh, know, I'm curious because it it, it sort of calculates the percentage. 55? Mm-hmm. 51? Mm-hmm. What do you got? What do you 51? got, honey? 51. <laughs> you saying 51? You cheating because I, I Michael Flash. That, uh, that was our producer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Michael. So 
it's it's actually just under 53 so okay. it is uh it is just below uh it's it's actually very similar to football it's like a three percent advantage or you know three point advantage but anyway um, i'd expect it wait i'd expect football to be significantly higher yeah i might have just done baseball. a little goof as i was i'm like oh shit i we gotta edit that out three it's three points <laughs> it's three points in football which as an, on a percentage yes. basis is actually much yeah, higher yeah that's not yeah yeah, yeah. uh but no okay. it's you'd be expected to be about 53 47 is what you would expect out of 100 games if you neutralized for everything else and it was just home field and there is it's an ongoing debate still apparently among the statistical community what creates that advantage and this goes to what you're saying Zahadev it's is it because yeah. the fan energy and that just we're humans and we sort of feed on that and gives you a little edge and it sort of dampens the other performers a little bit is it sleeping in your own beds is it knowing your own facilities is it your home ballpark all of these things and so it's a it's kind of an open question in this season is that advantage gone because it's going to be so weird and there's no fans and the, or is it going to be enhanced because the travel anxiety yeah i i'm gonna say maybe that travel anxiety evens it out right i mean i think wrigley does present the what well, is probably one of those legitimate home field advantage with the fans right it's one of the i, I don't know a dozen or so where it's pretty significant where the fans are really into it when the team is good it's packed uh, and and it's you know the environment it just completely changes the feel of the game right uh, one of the things I'm curious about I asked Kim Kimberl about it yesterday was how do you kind of get that uh, you know energy going you know that there's a lot of adrenaline for pitching at home or pitching in the closers role in general right uh, they they thrive off that closers do uh, another guy I'm curious about how the lack of fans will impact and I did see him like having fun and playing around during the scrimmages is Javi and Javi feeds off the fans maybe it's vice versa maybe the fans feed off him uh, just as much as as he feeds off the fans I'm curious how much that changes if any the way he kind of plays and I saw him he was on third uh, during a scrimmage with uh, with one out and, and he was dancing off the base and doing his thing and having fun and, and you could kind of see like I, I didn't have my binoculars out but you could almost like feel him smiling as he was like running towards home on every pitch and then coming back to third uh, so so maybe he's able to do that regardless maybe the fans are maybe it's just a bonus when the fans are there to watch Javi but I do wonder how much that what type of factor that's going to happen and I'll be honest I didn't even think about it beforehand I was just like whatever go play baseball if we can have a season let's have a season fans no fans but now I'm starting to think about oh wow how is that going to impact them uh certain guys uh, certain players in various ways uh who feeds off it who ignores it all that different stuff and Kimbrell said he'd, he'd much prefer to have the fans there he does he does feed off that and that adrenaline rush is part of it whether they're cheering him or booing him I assume that's kind of the type of stuff that closers thrive off of they can feel it and and they just they use it and direct it to uh you know to do their jobs uh, the other thing about the schedule, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, was it Cincinnati that their rival got changed and they're, and yeah. they're Detroit, right? That's a pretty huge switch. <laughs> I mean, that's significant. The Reds are probably, when I look at the teams outside, and I do this every year, the past few years, uh, we've probably talked about it. I always downplay the Brewers, and I'm going to do it again this year. I, and, and 
the Cardinals and the Reds are the two teams that stand out. And the Reds, just the energy that that team already has just watching. <laughs> maybe I'm just like, maybe they're just really promoting it well on social media and stuff like that. But they just seem to really have a ton of energy around that group. Vado, Castellanos. I mean, you look at the offense was what faltered last year. And, and I see that team and I look at the the offense. I'm like, wow, that's scary. And the, and the pitching we know is great. Uh, when you add extra games against a terrible team, you know, I don't know what Detroit's going to roll out there this year, but they didn't improve a lot from a, a God awful roster last year, unless they have like Casey Mize and Torkelson out there this year, which I'd be very surprised by, you know, all these prospects are, they just push them up. That's likely not going to happen. That's going to be an easy, easier schedule for them. Cubs, obviously the white Sox are no pushover. You know, and then is it and then, and then I and then the Cardinals have Kansas City. So it's just like if you look at those three teams, you're talking about the Cubs having significantly harder rival uh, as far as AL NL goes than than Cardinals and the Reds. And that's going to be one of those disadvantages that there's just home field, not home field. None of that matters there. That's, there's a significant difference in talent when you're talking about Kansas City and Detroit versus pretty much any other teams in the league outside of maybe Baltimore. Because I'm such a self-absorbed person, when I look at the schedule, normally I just like to think selfishly, like, okay, where do we get to go? And, like, who do I get to see? And I think that was kind of the, from our perspective, you know, normally Sadev and I kind of, like, you know, divide it up and say, I, you know, if we have family here or certain, you know, trips that make more sense and or – also in terms of coverage, like, you know, going to Cincinnati and seeing Nick Castellanos like at his locker and describing what it's like there. Well, nope, maybe he'll do a zoom with the Cincinnati media and you can like jump on. And I do think that's going to be an interesting part of this. Jed Hoyer alluded to it the other day of like, this is going to get really old for them, like just in training camp and that the outlets that they normally have, it's not just, you know, like, going out to bars until four in the morning it's no just being able to like go to a restaurant and unwind or like <clears throat> going to a museum going to a movie theater um i guess you can play golf now but like everything you do now you're thinking like where's the hand sanitizer or like where have these other people been like how could this you know how could i get it and i think that's going to be um really difficult on the players and the staff basically anyone in, in tier one there of trying to block that out and you know find kind of joy uh between the lines and hopefully you know some of those things you know fade away as we get into this and they get um into a routine so dream scenario is uh all of that works out and the season plays out as scheduled and because uh the White Sox are theoretically dramatically improved this year. The Cubs finish the season at guaranteed rate for a three-gamer. And, of course, the Cubs at that moment will be battling for the NL Central title and the White Sox will be battling for the AL Central title. And here's what's going to happen because of some crazy circumstances. The Cubs are going to win that final game of the season, clinch the NL Central, but at the same time, 
in losing because of some other game that happened somewhere else, the White Sox clinch at the same moment that the Cubs do. They both clinch the divisions, <laughs> same moment, and game, last game of the season, right? Don't we – I feel – okay, you know what? This is this this is a moment of weakness. Uh, I feel like we deserve that, though. You know, I, I know there are bigger <laughs> – there are people who have suffered even more, but I feel like the, the, the poor, poor sports media – uh, we deserve that that moment of like holy shit! Both Chicago teams they clinch together at the same time. This is crazy. I that would be fun. I, now I'm starting to think like, how do you cover a, a celebration? Now that's going to be kind mm-hmm. of odd. There's no like, there's they, they're going to zoom they're gonna celebration zoom calls yeah. during during yeah. the during the champagne celebration. Like, oh, man, is this this is just going to be like. Uh, that's not going to be as fun as a, as as uh, as originally thought, but uh, that would be exciting. I mean, no doubt. I mean, Cubs, White Sox, both making the playoffs. If we can have a fun final uh, series of the season, when was the last time we did have a fun final series of the season for the Cubs? It's it's been a while. Oh, well, Le- yeah, I mean, <laughs> 2018. Okay. I don't know that Maybe I would not. say that it was that, fun. That wasn't fun though, <laughs> was... because that was in the midst of like the the Brewers just. <laughs> Climbing back and embarrassing the Cubs in a sense, and yes. Cubs fans just being in the in the worst spot of their lives, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe that's a, we don't need to relive that for Cubs fans. But Cubs White Sox to to clinch a. Can you imagine that if if the White Sox knocked the Cubs out of the out of a playoff race and clinched their own the division season? at the same oh, time? Geez. Oh boy, that's well, that's. Uh... that's yeah, that that that's the type of baseball thought that uh, I think would stress out the Cubs fans. So maybe we, we should avoid going there. But uh, yeah, no no doubt that that hopefully that's a worthwhile series at the end of the season. And and we're talking about playoffs. I, I keep coming back to this. The I don't know what you know how differently the the schedule will alter this, but the Cubs were terrible to start the season last year. They they had no chance to do anything. It seemed like, and obviously it did in the end, it hurt them over 162 game season, that two and seven start hurt them, of course. But after 60 games, they won 34 games. And right now, the way we're looking at it, 34 games looks like a ton of wins. Looks like a very good chance to win your division, especially in a competitive one in the NL central. I'm not saying the Cubs are going to win 34 games. I'm saying that with the mess that they had last year, to start the season with a bullpen that I would say right now it's the starting, how well does the starting pitching do and how, you know, how quickly does the bullpen coalesce? If it does coalesce, uh, are the the kind of the two keys for this team to, to kind of make sure that these 60 games go smoothly and they have a chance at the playoffs. Uh, they, if it, if it like, those question marks, if they're answered quickly, like the Cubs should have a really good team, right? If, if those questions, in the positive sense, if they're answered in a way where you're like, yeah, okay, it's looking pretty good. I don't I don't feel that way about, the, you know, the offense as much. I think they can be average at worst. They should be. And I say that way too much too, don't I? It's like a, my doubt of the Brewers comes back to bite me and my trust in this offense always comes back to bite me. So, uh it, it, I just I, I keep coming back to that that two and seven start and then thirty four and twenty six after sixty despite how much of a mess that team was to start they still managed to have a good start to the season overall a good you know third of the season in they were a good team uh, and and it, it, it what's I, like just the idea of that 
last season was so disappointing, but after 60 games, you could point to it and say that was a first place team. Uh, I, I don't know if, if that, you know, if that matters at all this year in a sense, uh, in uh, outside of the Cubs can point to that if they do get off to a slow start and say, Hey, Let's calm down. Let's regroup. Let's get it back together. We still have a chance at this. Well, they're lucky they have that because not to jump in here, but they're lucky they have that recent example to point to because otherwise I bet you teams that start two and seven this year, psychologically, they're going to be like, eh, we're fucked. I mean, we're, and, and I, I think it will affect performance. Yeah. They're going to be waking up every day being like, what are we doing here? Like, why am I risking my health, my future earnings, the safety of my family? to do this you know manfred produced pandemic baseball like there's just zero trust between <laughs> players and management on a kind of macro level i'm not talking about w- within the cubs and i think yeah that's what <clears throat> we could hear it one of the benefits of like you know no fans there you know you can hear ross during some of these workouts and stuff like clapping and chanting like defense and you could even hear javi you know we were talking about that earlier of like I think they were it was in between innings they were throwing down uh to second and Javi you could hear him uh I couldn't hear exactly what he said but he was just kind of like yelling and chirping and kind of sounding exactly what you think Javi would be like just kind of blurting stuff out and uh, you know I think that was cool I think it's going to be up to them to kind of create that energy every single day because you know from our perspective we talked about how to cover like a clinching thing like you definitely can feel it if you're a fan you're there you're a porter you're there you know you can there are certain places that bring it out and i think the backdrop of wrigley field will probably help um but otherwise yeah these teams that get off to a slow start or teams that didn't plan on being good at all this year anyways it's going to be a lot of uh you know kind of do what you can for yourself and you know get out of there you know Hoyer used the term grind for, uh, you know, at some point it's going to be a grind. Like you think of that as like the August, the dog days of summer, right? Like normally there's a grind. I I wonder if it just starts right away. You've gone through three weeks of of this shortened training camp, whatever you want to call it. And, and it, like there's this cloud hanging over of like, does, do we make it through? Does the grind start immediately then? Is it a two month grind? Is it a two and a half month grind? Whatever the season is like, well, we also, I I wonder, we think about not only um, when the grind is, but also what the grind is. You know, you think about it as this physical, it's what it is normally is it's like the mental ability to overcome the physical wear down, right? Whereas it's almost like this, this year, the grind is less going to be about overcoming that physical wear down mentally. It's the constant obsessing about like, because you're going to be confronted by the pandemic every day, every day, every game, every moment that you look up in the stands, every time you do a spit test, every time you can't high five a teammate, every time you see someone in a mask, you are going to be confronted by the idea of what you are trying to accomplish. And to me, I can see that being what the grind is, like you said, Sahadi, from day one. That like, okay, we've done training camp, ready to go, but holy shit, this is so hard. Like just doing this and staying focused, staying in the moment, um, is that that feels like it's going to be a significant grind no matter how your body is feeling. Yeah, I mean, and how they get through that is going to be a big deal. And I think uh, it's where Ross... You don't 
they obviously didn't hire him with this in mind. They had no idea how this was going to play out. But I do think they look at it as his ability to both focus the team and keep it lighthearted is a big advantage. It's something that uh, they really need right now. They need to find a way to stay focused on the goal. But also, there's a lot that you're thinking about. Every like All the things you mentioned, you have to keep that in the back of your mind, and that can take a toll on you. So how do we make this fun still? Baseball is supposed to be something where you play where you're loose, where you're not thinking about uh, all the all the little things that you have to do, whether it's the mechanics that you have to go through when you're pitching or how you hit or when I, you know, I have to do this, this and this. It has to be natural and free flowing and, and just go do your job and have fun. It's, it's a game, right? So have fun. Go go out there. And, and when you are at your uh, where at, at your most natural you're going to do your best, right? And that's hard to pull off right now for anything, for anything that you're doing out uh, when you're going out and about. So, so yeah, how I, I think that's a big test for Ross as well. And I, you know, uh, like I think Patrick and I both feel that you know there, there's he's done something like so far so good. There's no results to point to, and it's impossible to say if he's good at his job just yet, but. He does have this ability to connect with the team. He does have this ability to keep them focused, and he does have an ability to, to keep them loose. Like they said, it's a really fine line right now. It's this balance that you always have to walk in normal baseball, right? Keep them focused, have fun. It's all the more important now with all these other factors. Yeah, just to wrap up, I mean, David Ross has to be like the head cheerleader, essentially like the CEO of this like urgent care uh, health administration apparatus and also essentially the head of PR. I mean, he's the one on the Zooms every day having to deal with a lot of uh, sensitive information and league-wide issues. And then I, mean, I guess the game itself will be uh, easier now with uh, a DH to a certain extent, but it's just crazy how all the normal like rookie manager stuff is pretty much, you know, out the window of okay whatever your pitching changes who cares like you're in the you're you're this crisis manager now yeah it was already going to be hard enough and now it's uh oh hey i think he's he has joked before there, there were no interview questions about how would you deal with a global pandemic so uh yeah cool well we will leave it there you know we're about uh, two weeks out from opening day so to say uh for uh for the schedule that was released this week um, and you know, it is nice. It is nice to think about baseball. It's nice to talk about baseball. Um, but we all recognize, of course, the, the hurdles that remain to get there. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I just say, you know, take the moments you can when we can divorce ourselves for a moment. And I will say personally, it's, it's a part of why I've missed these little chats with you guys. It's nice to be back and have a moment to be like, okay, let's talk about the schedule a little bit. Uh, so Thank you guys, and thank you folks for listening. I'm Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at uh, Bleacher Nation. That's Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. Grab their stuff at The Athletic. Make sure you are subscribing to listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and uh, thanks to Michael, our producer. High five. And we will uh, talk to you fine folks again soon. Take care. <laughs>